In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Well, to be honest, even though it's a rainy day outside, I feel like I am going to explode with happiness right now. If I haven't met you, uh, my name is Sam Bush, and I started coming to Christ Church back in 2005 as a first year at UVA. And it was here that I heard the gospel articulated in such a way that it changed my life. It was here that I came to believe in the radical nature of God's grace as something to be received, as a free gift given to someone who didn't deserve it, not as a two-way exchange with God, but as one-way unconditional love. By hearing the good news and by experiencing it firsthand, it was here that I felt called to become an ordained minister. Of course, due to unforeseen circumstances, we were only gone for nine months. Most people go to seminary for three years. For me, it was more like a semester abroad. That said, let me just say how grateful Maddie and I are to be back here with our two boys, Auden and Elliot, and that I am so looking forward to catching up with those of you who I know, and so looking forward to getting to know those of you I haven't met. The passage from Romans that we heard just a few minutes ago is some of the Apostle Paul's most famous material. The focal point of those five verses is hope, or what the late comedian Norm MacDonald once called the thing that never works. He said, every scenario where I hope is a letdown, like, man, I hope this movie's going to be good and not terrible like every other movie. And then after the movie, I think, man, that movie was terrible. What was I thinking? And then he says, the big problem with hopes is that they always get dashed. Their hopes were dashed. You see that all the time. I bet my last dollar you can't even find the word dashed without the word hope. (laughs) People really laughed when he said it, so I guess it's all in the delivery. (laughs) But he's right. I mean, it seems the moment we hope for anything, the word dashed is often waiting right around the corner. This is why so many of us have stopped hoping for COVID to end once and for all because every hope keeps getting dashed by a new variant. Now, to be clear, hoping for things, hoping for anything, for healing, for reconciliation, for peace in the world and within, is good. Hope is a way of trusting in God's faithfulness. But hope isn't something you can turn on with the flick of a switch. So how do you get it? Well, according to St. Paul, hope is not rooted in every longing being realized, It's not even rooted in not getting what you want and then finding the silver lining. 
but hope is rooted in getting what you never wanted and never even asked for. For Paul, the Christian hope is completely counterintuitive. It's rooted in suffering. That is not how the world would define a hopeful message. There's a reason why you don't find this verse on a lot of greeting cards. Suffering produces endurance. It doesn't sell nearly as well as an inspirational quote with a sunset in the background or a cute baby in sunglasses saying, you got this. Hope and suffering are among the oddest of couples, right up there with comedy and tragedy, with love and death. Similar to hope, we have a complicated relationship with suffering. And on the one hand, we avoid it at all costs. At least I do. I'm a fan of ibuprofen. I'm genuinely grateful for modern medicine. I don't think I would have lasted very long in the medieval era. But on the other hand, take a line from this passage. I mean, we do actually boast in our sufferings. We hold up suffering as a currency of merit. No pain, no gain. Pain is weakness leaving the body. These are rote worldly proverbs by now. Uh, my least favorite, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger, means that the, that's the worst thing you could possibly say to someone who's actually suffering. I mean, not only is that one particularly unhelpful, but it's just untrue. Look at the natural world and you'll see that whatever doesn't kill you, it just makes it easier for something else to kill you. <laughs> Christians aren't exempt from this approach to suffering either. One particular phrase to describe an experience is hard but good. When someone asks you how that internship or that conversation with your roommate or father-in-law went, the correct answer is that it was hard but good. No one ever describes something as hard and bad. I'd like to coin that phrase right now. Let's hope it catches on. To be fair, Challenging experiences can often yield their own rewards. That's true. But oftentimes our search for silver linings risks an opportunity to be honest, to grieve, to lament. We like to boast in our sufferings because it makes it feel like they're on our own terms. But that's just not how suffering works, is it? Paul makes it clear that suffering is beyond our control. I mean, just look at the grammar of this passage. We're not the subject in this sentence. Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. We have no agency here. We're not producing anything. We're not even mentioned. But instead, we are being worked on from the outside. In other words, hope and suffering both function outside of us. They're out of our hands. Sarah Condon is an ordained Episcopal priest in Texas. She spoke at our church retreat at Shrinemont a few years ago. 
She's an incredibly gifted speaker and writer. She's extremely funny. And she has been well acquainted with suffering since about a year and a half ago. She tragically lost both of her parents in a very sudden and brutal car crash. Sarah has shared openly about her experience in a way that is clearly inspired by the Holy Spirit. Reflecting on everything she's been through, here's how she describes hope. The thing about hope, to me, is that you truly don't know hope until you know how powerless you are. I think we're so powerless over the way that anything turns out I think I didn't realize that until I lost so much, until I became an adult, and the plans that I thought I was going to have laid out didn't work out. I think for me, that's where hope lives. It is that we have no control over anything. So depending on your situation, that can either sound like good news or very bad news. But the Christian faith does not respond to suffering by making sense of it and thereby dismissing it. The Christian faith takes suffering seriously and responds with surrender and with trust. Paul makes clear that in Jesus we are promised freedom from judgment and fear. He writes, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand. Paul makes clear that in Jesus, we are promised joy in the present because the future is secured. He says, we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. But Paul does not promise exemption from sorrow and pain. In fact, suffering is at the very center of Christianity, and it always has been. It's very symbol, the cross, an instrument of suffering. Now, that's not to say God endorses suffering, but rather identifies with it. In fact, in a counterintuitive way, we find that God is hidden in suffering, that the heart of suffering is hope, and at the heart of hope is Jesus. The Christian hope that nothing can separate us from the love of God, not our sin, not our fear, not our lack of faith, that hope also makes room for lament. The Apostle Paul hopes for a different world. And if you don't have hope that things are ever going to change, you're not really allowed to grieve or lament that things aren't there yet. So rather than silencing lament, you see, the Christian hope makes it possible for lament because we believe in a God that can make it better. This is the opposite of what the false hope of the world gives us, i.e., hope this email finds you well. In other words, please don't tell me if anything in your life is going badly. You see, our hope is not only in the Lord, 
but our hope is the Lord. Our hope is Jesus. The Christian hope is the one hope that cannot be dashed because Jesus himself was dashed already for our sake. From the cross, he took all of our dashed hopes to the grave. And as he was raised, he became, as we say in our baptismal covenant, our one hope in God's call to us. In other words, no matter how far you may fall into despair, your hope cannot and will not die because the risen Christ is our hope and the sole evidence that God's steadfast love triumphs over suffering and death. As the writer Tish Harrison Warren writes, the reason I can continue watching and waiting even as the world is shrouded in darkness is because the things I long for are not rooted in wishful thinking or religious ritual but are as solid as a stone rolled away. Nick Cave is an Australian songwriter who has a devoted fan base, and he welcomes them to ask him all sorts of questions online. He's lost two teenage sons in recent years, and in the way he responds to his fans' questions, it's clear that suffering the loss of his children has informed his faith. And this week, someone asked him, In your opinion, what is God? And this is what he said. He said, God is love, which is why I have difficulty relating to the atheist position. Every one of us, even the most spiritually resistant, yearns for love, whether we realize it or not. All that is required to move from indifference to love is to have our hearts broken. The heart breaks and the world explodes in front of us as a revelation. He says, I suspect that trauma is the purifying fire through which we truly encounter the good in the world. I would slightly revise that myself and say um, it's the purifying fire through which we truly encounter God in the world. Cave, Cave, Nick Cave, also calls suffering the engine of our redemption. To be clear, it's a miracle that someone who has lost two children could say this. We've already gone over how hope is not, uh, cannot be forced. It's counterintuitive. Left to our own devices, suffering can easily lead to bitterness and resentment and despair. But this is the work of God through the Holy Spirit, and this is how God works in your everyday life. Not only is your hope rooted in what has already come to pass through Jesus' death and resurrection, But your hope is with you even now, amidst your present suffering. As Paul writes, hope does not disappoint us 
because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. You see, our hope is not only in what God has done and will do, but in what God is doing at this very moment, even in your suffering, even as that purifying fire is set upon every dashed hope. May God give you eyes to see that as the flames die down in the soft glow of the embers, one thing remains untouched, undefiled. God's promise to never forsake you, to be with you always to the ends of the earth. Amen.